Okay, we're learning Daf Lamid. We're starting right from the bottom of Chav Tassim and Beis. So the Mishnah said that the Kohen Gadol, after he made a bowel movement, he would immerse in a mikvah. After he would urinate, he'd wash his hands and feet from the kir. So the Gemara is trying to understand why a person has to wash his hands and his feet after urinating. Why is that? Bishlam and might understand why you have to wash the feet. There might be some little drops of urine that fall onto the feet. So that would be disrespectful to do, to do that vote with drops of urine on the feet. So it makes sense that the Kohen should be washing off their feet. Eliyah die in my time. What's the reason why he washed to wash his hands? Why is that? Why do the hands have to be washed after urinating? This teaches us. That there's actually a din midrabanan. That a person has to be mishavshev. To mishavshev means rubbing. That person has to rub off drops of urine that fall onto the feet. There's a din that they have to use their hands to rub off the urine. We'll see what exactly the nature of this mitzvah is. So it sounds like basically a person urinates, there might be drops that fall onto the feet. There's a mitzvah of shifshuf, a very important mitzvah not to leave them there, but it's a din to actually rub them off with one's hands. Since the hands, therefore, touch the urine, they become, and they become not clean. Now they have to be washed. And, and the Gemara explains to us what's the nature of this din, this mitzvah mit Rabbanon to rub off the urine. It's forbidden for a person who goes out and urinates. And then a little bit of drops of, of urine fall onto his feet. It's also for him to go out that way. Why? He might give the wrong appearance that he's a kroshivcha. Kroshivcha is somebody who is incapable of having children. He has a problem with... Um, there's different forms, exactly, different types of cuts, different types of wounds uh, and that, that he can have. But the bottom line is there's a problem in his reproductive system. And one of, the, one of the symptoms is that he doesn't have a strong stream when he urinates. So one of the, one of the ways you could tell who Chris Shifcha is is the guy, oh, he's always got droplets of urine on his feet. Now, it doesn't always, not always necessarily a sign because it could be that after the, sh- the strength of the stream has now slowed, then maybe something that drops on his feet. But people don't know. People are judgy. And then, boom, they just see that these guys got urine on his feet. They're going to say, he's a Khrushchevcha. I, he has children. What are people going to say about the children? They're going to say, must be he's not the father of his own children. He's incapable of having children. Look, he's got urine on his feet. Must be that his wife must have been with somebody else, and the kids are Mamzerim. That sounds like a very harsh, harsh passive judgment there, because the guy has urine on his feet. But that's the bottom line. Is that Bonin said, you know, a person should make sure that he leaves no room for error, no room for mistakes, no room for people to say laws on his kids. So therefore, it's a mitzvah of shafshif. There's a mitzvah of shifshif that a person should use their hands to wipe away the urine. So now it comes out a very interesting thing. So now in the base of mikdash, what are we saying? That you have to wash not only your feet, but also your hands. So I was wondering, it's like an interesting thing how there's a two-step process. So then why do you have to wash your feet? Right? So maybe just rub it off your hands. So evidently, it's both. You want both. Why don't you just, what, the water's not good enough? Meaning the mitzvah of the shavshif is in general, where there's no mitzvah of washing your feet. There's a mitzvah of shifshif. We're saying the base of mikdash is a mitzvah to wash. Oh, why is there a mitzvah to, wa- to wash your hands? Because there's a mitzvah of shavshif and then your hands are going to be unclean. Well, just washing your, your feet wouldn't clean off the urine? It's hard to understand a little bit, no? no it's, it's, the way I understand it is that generally, I think this is a little bit of the background, we have to just understand that there's a mitzvah shifshif. Rabbanu when Misak in a din, that when a person urinates, there's a mitzvah shifshif to, to use their hands to, to wipe away the drops. Happens to be in the, in, in the base of Mikdash, also, they would also wash away, wash away their feet, but that didn't remove the mitzvah shifshif. It's a hard point in the Gemara. It's not so easy to understand. So, bottom line is, we walk away with the halacha, and in the base of Mikdash, there was a din of the mitzvah shifshif, which made the hands unclean. And then they would also, maybe it didn't fully, fully remove everything, and they also would, uh, would wash their feet. So, they had both, 
they had both points now in the base of Mikdash to wash, to wash for both of them. And this is always the big discussion we showed them. It would sound like fundamentally that there's no din of unclean hands after a person goes to the bathroom now. It would seem like that it's only if you use your hands to, wash, to, to remove droplets of urine from your feet that you should be washing your hands after you go to the bathroom. That's what it would seem like from our Gemara. We're talking about a person urinating in the base of Mikdash. The Gemara's not sure. Why in the world are you washing your hands? The only answer the Gemara gives is Mitzvah Shifshif. So why do you wash your hands when you come out of the bathroom today? You're going to give me five other reasons. But then why didn't the Gemara know them? The Gemara is Mavur. The only reason why the Kohen Gadol washes his hands is Atz Mitzvah Shifshuf. None of you do Mitzvah Shifshuf as far as I know. Whatever the Heterim we do. Whatever we rely on, why we don't do Mitzvah Shifshuf today. Maybe we don't have urine. Maybe the Mitzvah Shifshuf only if there is urine. Maybe we don't have our, 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 our feet uncovered. Maybe there could be whatever we think of. But it's unbelievable to see that was the only reason why the Gemara thought you wash your hands after urinating. So maybe we have to rethink our system. Very interesting Gemara. Okay, says the Gemara, Vaita Amar Papa. Now we're just talking about general ideas about cleanliness because we mentioned the Kohen Gadol has to be tovel before he does the Avodah because he might have some tzoa, some excrement on his skin, so we want to make sure he's clean. Amar Papa tzoa bimkoma, if after a person makes a bowel movement, there's some tzoa that's left in its place, meaning where is it? It's still like in the back, by the rectum. It's right there by the opening. It's bimkoma. In that, in that situation, also, of course, Kriyashma, you can't read Kriyashma with it there. says, says, if you could see it, Mamish, visible on the skin. Pshita, of course, you can't say the Shema. There's a general din of Kadosh, and you have to Mamish be, be, be marking yourself for Amos from Tzoa that's clinging to the body. The Gemara is assuming if it's visible, for sure it's a problem. Tzoa that's visible is a steer of Ayamach Kadosh. Either loners, and you can't see it. So why not? What's the problem? If it's, in, if it's, if it's, if it's further up in the, in, in, in the rectum, so what's the problem? When in the Torah, the Torah is not given to angels. I mean, it's impossible for us to ever perfectly clean ourselves. So we can't expect that if it's, if it's all the way in the inside and it's not visible, the Gemara is saying, when in the Torah, it can't be there's an Israel creation. So the Gemara explains, the case is, we need a case where it's true and it's a chedish. So the case is that when a person stands up, it's not visible. But when he would sit down, when he's Yoshev, it is Nereis. So we're saying the Chiddush. Even though he, when he stands up, you can't see it. So you would have said that, what? So it's not a problem. It's only when it's visible. So it's not a problem. When he's standing, it's not visible. So we're saying the Chiddush. But since when he's Yoshev, it is Nereis. So you don't have the Torah of Nolan, it's the Torah of the Malachi Asharis. You could clean a little bit better. And therefore, a person is Mukhuyev, um, and it's a clean before he says the Shema. Says the Gemara Kasha. So what are we coming out? That it's not Nereis, right? It's not Nereis, right? So Pasht is how we learn it. It's not a steer to the dinner of Yamach and Achakadosh. We're just saying some sort of like new halacha, the Lamaisa, the Tsoa is there, and it is possible to clean more, so you have to clean it. So, Frank Digmar, is that such a true thing? That it's Tsoa is not visible, but it's there, you have to clean it? Let's say I have excrement on somebody's flesh that's covered by his garment. So, again, very similar. It's on your flesh, a different part of your body. Let's say it's on an arm. It's covered by, 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 by some clothing or something. So, it's not visible, but it's there. What's the matzav? I should be Sakisa, a person wants his hands. Are in the airspace of a base like he say, and the shaila is could he say shema? Vuna mar mitzvah kotz kishma. Vuna says his mitzvah to say shema. Why? When the gemara brachos explains that the whole idea is that only the 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 who, what's involved in talking tashem when you say shema, the nose, the mouth, those types of things. So as long as they're free of excrement, and the only issue is like that, there's excrement on your arm. That's not a problem. Again, of course, there's a din of machanach hakadosh. If you can see tzoa, if you're close to tzoa and it's visible, you're in the presence of tzoa. That's a problem. But here you can't see it. That's always an important point. In this Gemara, it's, it's covered. 
So it's all Basaro. Ravuna is saying it's Mutter the Kurs Kriyushma, and Rav Chista is saying it's also the Kurs Kriyushma. It's also to say. The Gemara there says, that all of the limbs are like doing it. So if there's so on any part of the body, or if the body, if you have a, your hands in the base of Kisei, or whatever like that, then it would be the prayer is coming from like all of the, all of the limbs. It's like such a thing. Like it's coming from all the limbs. And therefore, it's no good. Okay, so that's a machlokas of Tzohar's Basar. So what's the Gemara's Kasha? We just said that so uh, when it's Yoshe Veneres, Ome Veno Nires, you can't, you can't say Shema, even though it's not near, it's on the outside, since it's Nires, but since you can clean better, you have to do it. So the Gemara's saying it's a Kasha from here. What's the Gemara saying? Rashi learns it's a Kasha from everybody. It's not going like everybody. It's not going like Rav Huna, it's not going like Rav Chista. So let's go through. Definitely, definitely Rav Huna's opinion doesn't make sense. Rav Huna is saying, If it's on your arm, you're allowed to read the Shema. Why? Because the you can't see it. It's covered by your garments. So so do here. I mean, you could obviously clean better, right? You could just clean. But we say since when it's not visible, it's not a problem. So do here. If it's not visible, it shouldn't be a problem. So definitely it's a Kasha on Rav Huna. But why is it a Kasha from Rav Chista? So that we shouldn't explain what Rashi means is that Rav Chista was the idea is that it's like stuck onto like a, on the, like the outside of your skin. So there we could say, it's like your arm is also involved in saying the Shema, and there's so on the arm, it's no good. But maybe we should say as far as that if it's found in its like natural place or, 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 or it's, it's invisible, just it's covered, there we say, it takes it away. But Mechatesi, that Rav Chista would say, if it's in a massive where, 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 where it's in the, where it's in the anus, but when it's only near it, when you're sitting, there Rav Chista would say it's no good. That's a chiddish. But that's the way Rashi learns the Gemara, that the Gemara's question is from both opinions. So the Gemara is trying to figure out why can you not say Shema when the Tzoa is Yoshev Veneres Oma Veneres. So the Gemara explains it's totally new Yisoyed. If until now we've been looking at it very black and white. It's either a din that if, if the Tzoa is visible, you can't, in front of the Tzoa, by Machanach HaKadosh, or you don't have to, you don't, you, you don't have to do it. Unless there was a new Allah was mamish, you know, like near it, like, like, like there, stuck on the outside, according to Rav Chista, you don't have to. So we're trying to figure out why in the world you should do it when it's Yoshe Veneres, um, in, uh, when it's Bimakoma. So the Gemara answers a new thing. Because when it's in its place, when the Tzoa is in the back, in the anus, so the idea is that it smells very bad. And when it's there, it's, a, it's like, it's like, it's like, it, bimakoma, it has a lot of warmth and strength to its odor. So therefore, it's very disgusting to say shema when it's there. But shalom kum lunavishuamah. Once the excrement has already left that place, let's say it's randomly on a person's arm, it doesn't smell as bad. And if in that situation, that's where Ravuna and Rachis are arguing. So we're explaining a whole new thing. That the din of why the isra liquor is kriyushma when it's so as bimakoma, so again, if it's Yoshev Eino Nires, maybe there's a smell. Then we still have a Svarlo Nintatar Lamalchei Asharis. When it's Yoshev Nires, you can clean better. And it's not, it's not like expecting you to be like an angel. So then there's a new Yosei that Tzoya Bimekayma, there's a din you can't say Shema. So it comes out a lot of different halachas here. When you're in front of the Tzoya and it's visible for sure, you, everybody agrees. That's the basic. When, it, and the, when, when it's on uh, uh, an Aver, but it's covered up, that's Machlokas Rav Huna and Rav Chisa. When Tzoya's Bimekayma, that's a new Chumra. And we're saying that as long as you can clean better, it smells very bad and you have to clean better before you say the Shema. Says the Gemara, Tanar Rabbanon, more halachas here, yearning. If a person in the middle of the meal goes out to urinate, so no diyado achas menechlas. He should wash one hand and come back. Meaning, whichever hand he used to do be meshavshiv to wipe away the droplets of the urine, he should wash that hand before returning. If it took him a while, he had a whole schmooze with his friend outside. It took him a long time before he returned. So now he has to wash both of his hands before he comes in. Why? What's the pshat? Before the suda. Remember, there's two. There's another halacha. You have to wash your hands for you before eating bread. So there, if you know, as long as you don't have a long half sick, 
So then it's okay. Even if you step out momentarily, you go to the bathroom, you can return and your old Natilas of time still covers you. But if you, if you, if you had an extended period of time that you were delayed, so then there's an expiration. You, 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 you mentally forget your Mesiyach Das from your hands touching unclean things. So during that time, now that you come back, you have to wash Natilas of time again. And then you have to wash both hands. When he washes, you shouldn't wash outside and then come into the dining room. People are going to say that this guy is gross. He went to the bathroom and didn't wash his hands. So what should you do? You should come and sit in his place. Then ask the, the waiter to bring you water. Wash his hands. And then pass the pitcher around. And anybody else want to wash. So the idea is then everybody will see clearly that you wash your hands again. You made a big public display of showing everyone you're washing. Says the Gemara, this din that people are that you don't that you have to wash that you should do it inside not outside is only if you're only drinking after you return. If you're planning on eating, so you can even wash on the outside. Why? Because everybody's going to know that there's no way. No one's going to suspect that after that if he's going to eat that he didn't wash his hands. They made the yada, the anina died to everybody knows that a person is, you know, like aninas is like it's sensitive to that. Everyone knows that it's disgusting to eat without, to touch food without washing hands first after the bathroom. So no one's going to suspect that, that, that if he's coming back and he's eating, that he didn't wash his hands. So therefore the Gemara is saying, when you're coming back and you're eating, then you could even wash your hands outside. This requirement to wash your hands inside, to ask the waiter to bring water, is only when you're drinking. The Gemara qualifies. For me, it's even when drinking. Even if I drink, I'm allowed to wash my hands outside because no one's going to accuse me. Everyone knows about Rav Nachman that he's so sensitive, that he's so delicate. That was just well known about him. So no one would think that maybe he didn't wash his hands. So for him, even for drinking, no one would suspect he didn't wash his hands, and therefore he didn't have to wash his hands by the table. He was allowed to wash his hands. Uh, back outside. And again, this is just all a tangent that we're learning because we learned that the Kohen Gadol, anytime he would urinate in the base of Mikdash, it required um, washing both his hands and his feet. Okay, so now we start off a big, the Mishnah mentioned this, but now we're actually going to learn more about it. That there's a general rule in the base of Mikdash, says the Mishnah, a person is not allowed to go into the base of Mikdash, into the Azar tar, even if he thinks he's tar, unless he first goes into the Mikvah. There's halacha, that you have to go into the Mikvah, you have to go into the mikvah before you come in. Now, the lashon of the Mishnah is that you can't come in la'avodah. But the pastor says, as we go through this, that it might not be so true. Let's see if we think it's really true. The lashon of Mishnah indicates that it's not a dinner in anyone who enters the base of Mikdash. It's only for those entering the Azara with the in mind to do the avodah. So let's see. Continues the Mishnah. We'll have to see where this comes from. We do five separate immersions and ten, ten times of washing his hands and feet. On, on, on that's the holy day of Yom Kippur. Basically, anytime he changes his clothing, we're going to learn more about the service of the day. But the more we learn about the Avodah Yom, we'll see he's flip-flopping back and forth. There's five different like sets of Avodah that he does on Yom Kippur. And each time it has a separate immersion. And every time he changes his clothing, he has a Kiddush Nandrag line before and after. So it equals, it ends up being ten immersions in a mikvah, uh, five immersions in a mikvah and ten washing the hands and feet. And again, we'll see particularly where they're, where they're placed. They're all done inside the Azara, on top of the Parva chamber, except for the first one. Because the first one, again, has to be before you come into the Azara. So the first one is done 
before he comes into the Azara, and it's, it's not even supposed to be done necessarily in the Azara. The Avoidus Hayyim, the Gemara is a drasha that the, the, the washing, the mikvah has to be done back Kodesh. But the first one, he's not doing Al Safodesh Yom Kippur. The first one, he's doing Pashat Al, the regular halacha that anytime someone, a Kohen, comes in to do Avod in the base of Mikdash, they have to do, they have to go to a mikvah, so that's one could be done outside. So they would spread a sheet of linen between him and the people, and he would, and he would go, um, and he would go to the mikvah. This is the first mikvah that he's going that would be right outside the Azara, right next to his Lishka, where he would, uh, first, the first immersion before doing the Avod. Okay, so now the Gemara wants to understand, what's the nature of this Din Tefillah, this first, this prerequisite, that before coming into the Azara, a Kohen has to do Tefillah. Shaolu is Ben Zoma, they asked, this is a bride so. The bride says that the Rabbanan asked Reb Zoma, Tefillah zu lama. what's the nature? Why is there a Din that you have to do an immersion before entering at the base of Mikdash. If a person's Tameh, we understand. You're not allowed to come to the base of Mikdash when you're Tameh. So you have to obviously be Tova. But if a person thinks he's Tar, then what is, why does he have to do Tefillah before he comes here? So Hamalahem, so he said to them, If the Kohen Gadol, who's just being Mashana from one holy place to another holy place, meaning he's doing one Avodah in one holy place, then he's going to another holy place, or then he's going back out. Like in other words, he's just making slight switches in the Avodah Sayom about the location of the Avodah, and the small switches are, are so subtle that there's not even such a high degree of difference between them. They're both a place that if you're Tameh, you're Chayv Karis if you enter. And nonetheless, in any variation of where the Kohen Gadol is doing Avodah, still the Din is Ta'an Tefillah. It requires him to immerse. So we see that any Shinoi in the Avodah requires immersion. That's the general rule. That's the, the takeaway from the Din of Yom Kippur. Again, even though Someone could say, I don't know, we're going to see this might be a halacha moshmi sinai. They have to be immersive. But the bottom line is, is that what do we see? We see is say that any shinoi avoda requires a tefillah. So if so, amashanami chola kodesh, someone who switches on a regular day, he comes from his house, right? A place of chol. And now he's coming into the base of mikdash. It's a place where there's no karis punishment. And now he's coming into a place that carries the karis punishment. If he's Tameh, ain't no din shatan tefillah. So we make a kavachomer that it requires tefillah. So certainly when he's coming in, he should be told himself before coming, it's a holier place and, it requ- and it's machayev, a Tameh person who comes into Karis, certainly it's machayev tefillah. So we're basically making a very interesting kavachomer. It's a kavachomer that we learn from Yom Kippur. The aside of the tefillah from Yom Kippur is shinoi milmakam lamakam. So madach shinoi milmakam kodesh makam kodesh requires tefillah. Certainly shinoi milmakam chol makam kodesh. So it's not a din out tumah. That's nothing to do with hilchos tumah. Variation that you're coming from point A to point B to now go ahead and do avoda. That's machayev and immersion in the in the, in the, in the mikvah. So zok the gemara, you have the same thing here. That on a regular day, when a person's coming from his plain old chulin house and he's coming to the base of mikdash, it's machayev and immersion in the mikvah because of this. You say that we learn from Yom Kippur. According, yeah. I think so, because right in the pious, they had to enter into the Azar. Remember, right? It was in the Lishka Sagazas. So it was like almost this nighttime, I guess, when they. Uh, um, right, and. Before right, right. And probably have to do it before before nightfall the previous day. Yeah, to make sure I have a Shemesh also. Now, Zalmaiz, according to this, you said it makes sense that the Mishnah said that it's only when you come in to do Avod. Because Pashtas, the way we're learning according to Ben Zoma, if a person is coming in randomly, let's say, to the Azara to visit, he wants to. Be a spectator. He wants to watch. He wants to watch what's going on. Does he have a din that he has to go to the mikvah? Or not? It's a din out shinu milmakum, but you can't learn from the kohen gadol when you're not doing avoda. The kohen gadol was being mishana makum le'avod. 
we don't have a rule that if you're going from your house into the Azar for out the purposes of Avodah that you have to do. Make sense? Okay. Fine. We're right, right at the bottom of Laman Abraav. Says in the Bray, so that's Bedzom. It's just a reminder. It's a reminder to do the tefillah. Meaning, the Rabbanan are playing games with us. They're saying, go to the mikvah to remind us. If you go to the mikvah, it forces you to like, start thinking about tumah. Because like, you're thinking about purifying. Purifying from what? Tumah. So again, this is where it's funny. It's like a mind game. You, a person thinks he's tahar. The rabbis say, go to the mikvah. So he starts thinking, like, go to the mikvah, I think I'm tired. So he starts recalling in his brain, replaying the, the past events of the last days. He might remember that really he was Tane and he forgot about it. And then he won't come into the base of Mikdash. So it's Mamash Ramayim. The guy thinks he's tired. The Rabbana say, go to the mikvah. Goes to the mikvah, he might recall that he's really Tane and he won't come in. And he won't come in. Go, even going to the mikvah won't allow him to come in. Why? Because after the mikvah, you need higher Shemesh. So if he's really going to recall the, the, the Tumah Yeshana, he won't come in even today. So there are, and, and if he does go follow through and go to the mikvah, then we can be assured that this guy actually is tired. So according to Rabbanan, it's totally a din to Rabbanan that we made up to make sure that a person shouldn't come into the, into the base of mikdash. One would think that according to Rabbi Yudah, such a din should be true even if he's not doing avod. It should be out to the Isser Knisa Lazar when you're done. So now the Gemara says, What's the root of the question between Benzoma and Rabbi Yehuda? Top of the Ahmed Beis, Ba'achuli Avoida Kamifulgi. Then Avkamina would be whether there's a chilul Avoida, meaning let's say a person did not immerse and they still come in and they do the Avoida. Is the Avoida good or is it not good? Le Benzoma Machal Avoida. According to Benzoma, it was a Kava Chaymer. So Lachar it's a Daraisa. Kava Chaymer carries the weight of a mitzvah Daraisa. Why? We're learning up in the Daraisa, the Kohen Gadol, Tvilan Yom Kippur, the Shinoi Makom is a Daraisa. So the, the, the learning, the lesson of the Kava Chaymer that applies it for any time a person comes into that Zara should be Daraisa. So then Mistamat's Mechal Davoid. If the Kohen didn't do it, Davoid is no good. However, the Rebutal Lamachal Avoid, it's a random Dindra Banan. So then obviously, if, the, if it's a random Dindra Banan, the Avoid would still be okay if it was not performed. Says the Gemara, is that true? Let it be a daraisa. But is that true that it's that it's machal da'avoda? Fatanya says in Let's say Anyum Kippur himself, the Kohen Gadol, forgot to immerse, or he didn't wasn't mikdash shadam raglaim. So what's the din? If it's the one being begel begel ben lavoda avoda, if it's the one between one, step one and step two, step two and step three, meaning the ones between the steps, he wasn't he wasn't immersing himself or doing kiddush shadam raglaim. Avoda It's not machal da'avoda. Maridikachidish. Big thing. In other words, he had to have the right begad. He switched his clothing. You have to have the right begad. If you don't have the right begad, it is machal avayda. But he wasn't mikhaj dan raglaim or immersing between them. Avayda is still good. L'chatrila, there's a din that he's supposed to go to the mikvah, the way the Torah says. But this din is not machal avayda. However, echad koin gadol v'achad koin gadol. Whether you have a coin gold or a coin header, so Kiddush of Raglam Shachris, but let's say he, he didn't do one Kiddush of Raglam in the morning, for Avod Avodin, he did Avodah, meaning he didn't do the first Kiddush of Raglam, Avodah Sopsul, Avodah is possible. That the Gemara and Zvachim learns up that there's a Psul, Shalom, Rachel to Daim Raglam, that if a coin does the Avodah without first immersing his hands and what feet in the Kiyar, the Avodah is completely Machol. So if he didn't do his Kiddush of Raglam from the Kiyar, everything's Machol. But as long as he did that introductory, that any Avaidah that he does that day on Yom Kippur is good, even if he misses the proper immersions in Kiddush Adayim Varaglayim between the switching of his clothing. That's what the Prisa teaches. So we learn a very important thing, that the whole din of immersing in Kiddush Adayim Varaglayim between the steps on Yom Kippur is not Ma'akiv the Avaidah. That's a general rule on Yom Kippur. So according to Ben Zayma, the whole Makar of going to the mikvah before you come into the Azara was a Kava Chaymer that was learned from the Kayin Gadol Shinoi Mimakom Lamakom on Yom Kippur. And now we see that that din, it's 
itself is not machal da'avaydan yom kippur. So how could it be that the lesson, the kavachaymer, is going to be stronger than the source? If the source itself is not machal da'avaydan, then certainly every day immersing in a mikvah before you come in is not going to be machal da'avaydan. So the Gemara concedes this point. It was a mistake. Clearly, even according to Ben Zayma, it's not Machal Avoida. So, what is the Nafkamina now between Ben Zayma and Rabbi Yehuda? Either way, it's not Machal Avoida. What's the Nafkamina if it's Darais or Darabonon? So, the Gemara just says, that's Kufa the Nafkamina. The question is, if you did, if you nullified a positive mitzvah from the Torah, according to Ben Zayma, it's a Daraisa, it's a Kavachimer from the Kayin Gold on Yom Kippur. So, you've nullified, it's like you didn't put on Tvil on that day. You've nullified a positive mitzvah from the Torah. So again, why didn't the Gemara say that Nafkamina is, if you're not going to do Avay, wouldn't that have been a much simpler Nafkamina? More of a practical Nafkamina than just saying, was I over on a Daraisa or was I not? Okay, so now the Gemara moves on to analyze Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the whole din tefillah is a Darabonan to remember Tomei Yishana. So the Gemara says, we live as far as we really true Rabbi Yehuda holds of this, that you have to come in, when you come in, you have to be Tevel. Vatanya says in the Bible, Mitzayra Tevel, Mitzayra on the last day, should go to the mikvah. We're talking about, again, the Mitzvah has a seven-day purification process. On the seventh day, he has to make himself totally tar. And then on the eighth day, he brings karbanas. Right? That's the Mechoshik form. On the eighth day, he brings karbanas. So on the eighth day, the Tanakhama says he has to immerse himself again, even though he was matar himself on the seventh day. But on the eighth day, he has to go to the mikvah again, and then stand in the Shah Nikonar, and then when the Karban Asham is brought, remember, he sticks in his big toes and thumbs, and they apply the blood from the Shah Nikonar. So Rabbi Yudhamar, ain't no Says Rabbi Yudah, the Mitzvah on the eighth day doesn't have to go to the mikvah before he comes in. Because he already immersed himself the night before. So what do we see here? That even though this, this Mitzvah is coming in today, he doesn't have to immerse himself. What's the shot? I thought we said before, Rabbi Yudah says, every time somebody comes in, there's a din drop on and you have to tovel yourself. So the Gemara says, come on. The obvious answer is there in the price. So who the Ktani Taima? That price is not a steer in Rabbi Yudah. It said why Rabbi Yudah is being more lenient. It said, Shekvar Tavo Mibayar, because he already immersed himself previously in the previous e- evening. Meaning, if a person randomly comes in, then he does have to go. Why? To remember Tomei Yishana. But here, the Mitzvah just went to the mikvah right before sundown yesterday. So there, Rabbi Yudah said, when he comes the next morning, you don't have to make him immerse again. That's clearly the reason. If Rabbi Yudah never says you have to go in, he would have said anybody doesn't have to go in. So you're asking a steer in Rabbi Yudah. To the contrary, you, you see Rabbi Yudah is consistent. Generally, it sounds like he agrees that you have to go to the mikvah. And maybe the reason is like he's saying to remember Tomei Yishana. But in this situation of the Mitzvah, where he just went before sundown yesterday, then we could be lenient on the morning, the eighth day, when he comes with his karbana. He doesn't have to. So the Gemara says it was such an obvious answer. Udaka'arila, the one who was involved, like the one who was talking about it, my Ka'arila, what was he involved with? Meaning, what kind of Havamina was it to even ask a question here? What was the one thinking? So the Gemara says, you're right. He really knew he didn't have a good question at all. There was no good question from this price. Clearly, here, the Mitzvah on the eighth day is different because he just went to the mikvah before. But the question is something else. What he really wanted to do is make us a, a stira between Brisa that we just quoted and, a, and another Brisa. So, just to make things complicated, unnecessarily, but to get this clear, we're going to deal with today three Brisas. We started with the first Brisa of Machlokas Ben Zoma and Rabbi Yudah about the nature of Tila. Ben Zoma said, Darais, Rabbi Yudah said, Darabon. That was the first Brisa on Laman Amaral. We, the, the, this, this Amorah just brought a second price that said, a machlokas of a Mitzorah on the eighth day, does he have to go to the mikvah? Tanakama said, yes, Mitzorah on the eighth day should be tovel. Rebita said, why does he have to go to the mikvah? He just did it last night. That's price number two. The reason we involved price number two with price number one wasn't because there was a stira. There really wasn't. It was obvious that Rebita was being lenient because he just went to the mikvah. The reason we brought price number two is because really what we want to do is bring a third price and ask a steer between price two and price three. What is this price of three? Because look at this price. It says, 
Lishkas Hametzoraim. There was a rule. There was a room, and there was a lishka on the base of it's called Lishka of Menemetzoras. So what? This is in the northwest corner of the Ezra's Hanashim, which was right right by the the Sharanikonar. So right by there, there was a lishka Hametzoraim. So what was it done? Shashamitzaram told them there they would go to the mikvah before they would come and stick in their thumbs to the azara. So the Tanakama again is saying that there is a din that the mitzvah has to has to be told. Sounds very consistent with what we've seen. Says Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Lo Amru. They didn't only say that a mitzvah should go to the mikvah there. Ella kol adam. They said that every person has to go to the mikvah before he comes into the azara. Okay. So what's the problem? So what's the kasha? So what did he say here? He said, not, he said, lo, lo is mashma, that the mitzorah along with everybody else should be immersing themselves when they come into the azara. So what's our kasha? Our kasha is in the previous bride, so Rabbi Yehuda was mako on the mitzorah. He said that the mitzorah does not have to come on the eighth day. Let it be for the reason that he said, because he was already told on the previously on the seventh day before sundown. But Lamaisa, what did Rabbi Yudah say? That the Mitzvah doesn't have to be told on the eighth day. And that was in Brisa 2. In Brisa 3, Rabbi Yudah's mashma that the Mitzvah has to do it, because Rabbi Yudah says, not only Mitzvah, but rather even everybody. So it sounds like the Mitzvah was included in the din of Tvila. Rabbi Yudah's not saying the Mitzvah doesn't have to be tovel. Rabbi Yudah is just saying they didn't only use the chamber for the Mitzvah, they used it for everybody. But it sounds like it was used for the Mitzvah well, it sounds like the Mitzvah does have to be told on the eighth day, according to Rabbi Yudah. So that's what we brought it in for. We brought in Bryson number two because it contradicts Bryson number three. The contradiction is, what is Rabbi Yudah's opinion about a Mitzvah on the eighth day? In Bryson number two, he's saying that the Mitzvah on the eighth day does not have to immerse. The reason was because he could be lenient because he just immersed the, the day before. But in this third Bryson, we see that Rabbi Yudah is saying that the Mitzvah must immerse on day eight, and that seems to contradict what he said in Bryson two. Okay? Fine. So we've if you notice what basically happened, we segued quite quickly into a, a stira in prices about what Rabbi Yudah holds if a Mitzvah on the eighth day has to be told. Them. Within Rabbi Yudah's opinion, presumably the whole issue is what? That it's only to remember an old Tumah. So maybe we could be lenient on a Mitzvah who just went to the mikvah on the last day. That was Bryson number two. Bryson number three just doesn't hold that far. What's going on? So the Gemara answer is low kasha. It's not a difficulty. Had the Tavah, the Tavah. The second Bryson number two where that you don't have to go to the mikvah on the eighth day is where he went on, on day seven, as, as the, as the Bryce has said. He already did it yesterday. Ha, huh, but the third Bryce that he has to do at the low tavel is talking about where he, for whatever reason, the Mitzorah missed the immersion on day seven. So if he missed the immersion on day seven, then Avadi is going to have to do it on day eight. Very technical answer. So the Gemara says, that's no good. He's a low tavel. If he missed the tefil on day seven, Harav Shemesh bai, he needs Harav Shemesh before he can come into the Azar. He's sticking in his, his toes and his, every, and his thumbs into the Azar. He can't do that unless he went to the mikvah on day seven. If he, if he skipped the tefil on day seven, he's first going to the mikvah on day eight, he has to wait until Harav Shemesh in order to stick in his toes and thumbs into the Azar. So clearly it has to be that he, if we're talking about a Mitzvah B'yom Ashmini performing his Karbanos, clearly he must have gone to the mikvah on day seven and still Rabbi Huda is saying that he's immersing on day eight. So that answer got us nowhere. So the Gemara says, Ela of course, you're right. He must have gone to the mikvah on day seven in both prizes. The last prize, so the third prize, it was talking about that he stopped like being cognizant against guarding himself from Tumah. Meaning he went to the mikvah, but then he just like, I don't know, something happened, whatever it is, he had a mental lapse, he just wasn't 
focused on making sure that he stayed tahar. So then he has to go to the mikvah again. But whereas the first, the second price that says that he doesn't have to go to the mikvah again is where he didn't shift, uh, shift his, 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 his he, he was cognizant the whole time, he was careful to guard himself. So the whole svar was, he doesn't have to go to the mikvah again. Why? Because he just did. So that only works if you were cognizant between the two, you were careful to protect yourself. But if you weren't, then you have to go to the mikvah again. Says the Gemara, it's too bad because if you mamish, you know, where Mesiach das from, from guarding yourself from Tumah, you know what the din is? You're knocked out for a week because we're concerned that you became Tumay Mace. If you became Tumay Mace, then what's the din? You need a week long of Tumah with sprinkling from the ashes of the Par Aduma on the third and seventh day. So then we can't just let him come to the mikvah the next morning and go. Now, if you if you want to make that ukimta that the guy stopped protecting himself from Tumah, watch out, we're not going to let him in the next day with the tefillah. We have to be open to any possibility, including the possibility that he mamish went so far that he became Tami Mace. So we have to say that he was not Mesiyach Das. And we also have to say that he was Tavol on the seventh day. So now the steerer comes back. If he was Tavol on the seventh day and he remembered he was not Mesiyach Das between, between them. Then what in the world is going on? Why is it that we are saying that uh, in the day, in the third bride, so he does, he does have to immerse on day eight, and in the second bride, so he does not. So the Gemara answers, In both cases, the Mitzorah did not, was not Mesiyach Das. The question is, did he have the right intent when he went to the mikvah? The second price is, he knew what he was doing. When he went to the mikvah, he intended to use the purification process to go into the base of mikdash tomorrow. So then why does he have to go again on the eighth day? But the third b'risa, he didn't have that das. He just went to the mikvah. He knew he was supposed to go to the mikvah, but he didn't think about the fact that he was using it to go into the base of mikdash tomorrow. What kind of din is this, that it matters what you're thinking? So this is a din midrabonah. The Gemara Chagiga says that they made a mailah for the base of Mikdash. Let, uh, even if a person immersed, but if they didn't plan on going to the base of Mikdash, they have to go to the mikvah again. That's a random din midrabonah, like an extra level of sanctity, that unless you thought about going into the base of Mikdash when you were tovel, then you can't use the tefillah to go into the base of Mikdash. So that's a new din midrabonah, now it makes sense. He obviously went to the mikvah on the seventh day. He wasn't misiach ta'as v'chule v'chule. So we're just saying that in the third b'risaf, Lamaisa, when he went to the mikvah on day seven, he didn't plan on going to the base of mikdash, then he has to go and do another tefillah on day eight. So that we finally got one full answer. Says the Gemara's second answer, we actually are a magia, the Lashon of Rebuda. We amend the text. Instead of saying, not, not only Mitzorah, but rather everybody, Rebuda switches, lo Mitzorah and Amru. No, you're wrong. Mitzorah does not have to go to the mikvah. El, or rather, call Adam, regular people went to the mikvah and the lishka. So we amend the text. The text used to read, not only Mitzorahs, but also everybody. Now we're amending the text to say, not Mitzorah that went to the mikvah, rather other people went to the mikvah. So now Rabbi Yudah, the third b'risa, is consistent with Rabbi Yudah, the second b'risa, that a Mitzorah on the eighth day does not have to go to the mikvah. That's the second answer. Says Ravina, a third answer. Ravina Amar, Ravina is just saying to the Rabbanon, Lishitasam, within their opinion. Lididi, according to my personal opinion, Mitzorah and Tzarathila. I hold personally a Mitzorah doesn't have to go to the mikvah at all, because I hold you already went to the mikvah the last day, as I said in the second price. But Lididhu, according to your view, Odulimias Ezel, shouldn't you agree to me? Even if you want to say the Mitzorah does go, don't you agree to me that the Lishka, that the Lishka wasn't only used for the Mitzorah, but it was also used for other people? Meaning Rabbi Yudah is saying, I personally hold the Mitzorah doesn't have to go at all. But look at what you're saying. You're saying only a Mitzorah has to go and other people don't? That you're like backwards. 
I personally hold the Mitzvah doesn't have to go, says Rabbi because he went yesterday. You hold the Mitzvah, it does have to go. But what, other people don't? That doesn't make any sense. Meaning, why do regular people have to go? Rabbi Yudah is saying, remember, he's the advocate so that they'll remember the old Tumah that they have. So he's saying to Rabbanan, if you say a Mitzvah has to go, why don't you say at least everybody should go? That's what he's saying back to the Rabbanan. The Rabbanan say back, no, there's a difference. Mitzorah da'yish tumah. A Mitzorah is like, he's, he's like deeply immersed. He's stepping in tumah. What does that mean? He's used to being tummy. He's been tummy for such a long time. Think about how long a Mitzorah has been weeks that he's been tummy. So he's so used to tumah, so we don't really think that he's been guarding himself properly from tumah. Even though he's had the purification process, we want to make him do one more immersion before he comes in. That's why the Rabbanan are more machmer. Regular people don't normally step on, are not, not normally like step, stepping in Tumah so much. So therefore, a regular person does not have to go to the mikvah. So let's just make sure we understand what the Gemara just said. This Rabbanan of this price a hold that a regular person who thinks that he is tar but does not have to go to the mikvah before he comes into the Beis HaMikdash. The Tanakama of this third b'risa does not agree to the fundamental din that our Mishnah, the Tanakama of the second b'risa held of. You do not have to go to the mikvah if you think you're tar. They're just saying that a Mitzorah has to be tovel. You know why? Because he's been living with Tumah for so long. That's what that Rabbanan were saying. To that, Rabbi Yudha said, you're backwards. A Mitzorah doesn't have to go to the mikvah. Why? Because he just went to the, to the, to the mikvah on day seven. A regular person should go to the mikvah. So Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanon in the third b'risa are doing what? They're the exact antithesis of each other. Rabbi Yehuda holds a regular person has to go to the mikvah to remember his old Tumah. And a Mitzorah on the eighth day does not because he just went to the mikvah on day seven. The Rabbanon say, Lehefech. A regular person does not. He's tar. Why should he have to go to the mikvah? He thinks he's tar. Why? You can't trust a person that he's tar? Mitzorah does because he you can't trust because he's so used to being Talmud for the last couple of weeks. That's the Rabbanon of the third b'risa. Whereas in the previous b'risas, we've had Rabbanon and Rabbi Yehuda been discussing all in the same wavelength that a person who's tar must immerse in a mikvah. Everyone agreed to that premise, to that premise and they're just talking about the mitzvah on the eighth day. So it gets a little bit confusing to discover the Rabbanon of the third b'risa here saying only a mitzvah has to go and not a tahar person. The Rabbanon of the third b'risa don't agree to what our Mishnah said as a, as a clear premise that a person who's tar has to be tova before they come in. So now the Gemara analyzes Let's go back to the second price. It is a little confusing. The third price that we just learned about the Rabbanon's opinion that only a Mitzorah has to go, not a Torah person. Now let's go back to the second price. What did the second price say? The second price said that there were, the Rabbanon said a Mitzorah on the eighth day has to be told. Rabbi Yudha said he doesn't because he already told on the seventh day. What did the Rabbanon of the second price say? Hold would a regular Torah person have to be tovel or not? Should we say that they have to, they hold like Benzoma, that a regular Torah person has to go because there's a Daraisa to be tovel? The only reason we spoke about a Mitzorah was to tell you how far Rabbi Yudah went. That Rabbi Yudah was lenient in the case of a Mitzorah. But the Rabbanon are not limiting their tefillah to a Mitzorah. They would hold it for a regular person as well. So in other words, the Rabbanon of the second Brisa are not like the Rabbanon of the third Brisa. The Rabbanon of the third Brisa are saying only a Mitzorah. But the Rabbanon of the second Brisa hold everybody. They only spoke about a Mitzorah because we want to bring out Rabbi Yudah's point that a Mitzorah does not need. The Rabbanon of the second b'risa are just like the Rabbanon of the third b'risa. Just as the Rabbanon of the, of the third b'risa are only saying it on a Mitzorah since he's Daesh B'tumah, so too the Rabbanon of the second b'risa are only saying it because of that. And Amalei, Shine Mitzorah, the Daesh B'tumah. You're right. We could say that the, the Tanakama of b'risa number two was only saying a Mitzorah had to be Tovel because he was Daesh B'tumah. So let me make a summary of what we just have. We have three brises. In brisa number one, we learn a Benzoma and a Rabbi Yehuda 
who both agree to the premise that every single person who comes to the base of Mikdash has to be Tova. The question is why? Ben Zoma says, Daraisa Kavachomer from Yom Kippur. Rabbi Yudah is saying, Midrabanan to remember Toma Yashana. Our town of our Mishnah also agreed to that premise that any person, even if they think they're Tara, have to be Tova before they come in. That's the Mishnah and Brisa number one. Brisa number two tells us a machlokas between a Tanakama and a Rabbi Yehuda if a Mitzorah has to be Tova. That Tanakama, the Gemara is saying, may hold its only a din in a Mitzorah since he was Daesh Potoma that he has to be Tova. A regular person does not necessarily have to be Tova. Rabbi Yehuda is saying a kula there in Mitzorah since he just was Tovel yesterday, he doesn't have to be Tovel tomorrow. And then we have a third b'risa, which is, which is clear, where the Rabbonin are saying only in Mitzorah to Daesh B'tomah. Rabbi Yehuda there was seen to be contradicting himself to the second b'risa, and we had three different ways how to understand how it wasn't a contradiction there between Rabbi Yehuda of the third b'risa and Rabbi Yehuda on the second b'risa regarding whether Mitzorah had to be Tovel.